Turning together God's word for our scripture reading to the second epistle of Peter and the chapter 1. The second epistle of Peter and to that first chapter. I'm going to commence a reading at the first verse and reading down a section of this chapter together. Second Peter, the chapter 1. On the verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Saviour, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me, Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. Amen. We land there at verse 15. May the Lord add his own blessing to this public reading from his own precious and infallible word. I want to... Amen. Looking together at the portion of Scripture that we've read, Second uh, Peter and the chapter 1, I would encourage you to turn with me again in God's Word to that portion, Second Peter and the chapter 1. 
like to focus our attention upon the words of verse 12 and also verse 13. The Apostle Peter writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance and particularly those words there in verse 13, to stir you up. And the title of the message this morning is Stirring Up the Christian. Stirring Up the Christian. Let's just unite our hearts together in a word of prayer and seek the Lord's face to ask for his help in the ministry of his word. Our gracious God and our loving Heavenly Father, We do praise Thee that we can open up the Scriptures together. We do thank Thee, our Father, that we can meditate upon Thy Word. But we confess, our Father, that we need that spirit of wisdom, that spirit of understanding to be granted to us, that Thou Thyself would enlighten our hearts and would reveal the things of God to us. May we not today be hearers only, May we be doers of thy precious word. And even our Father, through the inspired scriptures today, do instruct us, do speak to each one of our hearts, and all that there might be that stirring within of God the Holy Ghost. Hear our prayer and give us help now from heaven. We ask these things in the Saviour's great name. Amen. The Apostle Peter is a tremendous character, a character certainly who is worthy of our study, and he would be one of my favorite characters in the whole of the Bible. And perhaps we feel particularly drawn to the Apostle Peter because we see so much of ourselves in him. The Apostle Peter is one who was petulant. He's petulant, Peter. He was always impulsive. There were times whenever he jumped in when he shouldn't have. Times whenever he he spoke out when he should have remained silent. You can remember on that one occasion whenever uh, the Apostle Peter had spoken out in the wrong way and the Lord in Matthew 16 actually rebuked him and said to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. One who would have spoken without first considering the implications of what he was saying. Times he said the wrong thing. Times he not only said the wrong thing, but he did the wrong thing. You remember whenever they came to arrest the Lord, and whenever they approached there, Peter was the one who drew his sword, and with a swipe he removed the ear of Malchus. It was probably a bad shot. He, I believe, was aiming for his head, but he removed his ear, and the Lord had to heal the ear of Malchus. There are times whenever he sadly failed the Lord. 
Do you remember when he followed afar off and then we find him there gathered with the world's crowd around that open fire and they begin to accuse Peter of being with the Lord and being one of his followers and we know that he denied the Lord. Three times over he denied the Lord with the oaths and curses. And so when we look at Peter... There's much that we can learn from him. We can certainly highlight his imperfections. But with all of that, we would have to say and we would want to emphasize that Peter had a heart for the Lord. You remember in John chapter 21 when they had gone off fishing and then they meet the Lord on the shores of Galilee. The Lord would put the questions to Peter. Three times over he said to Peter, Lovest thou me? Lovest thou me? Lovest thou me? He asked Peter that question three times, and Peter finally said to the Lord, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. The Lord said to Peter, Feed my lambs, feed my sheep. And he recommissioned Peter, and Peter went out into the service of the Lord, and he began to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But in John 21, before that conversation finished with the Lord, the Lord would reveal to Peter how he would die. And in John 21, he reveals to Peter that he would die a martyr's death, and through that death, he would glorify the Lord. And so Peter knows when he steps there out from John chapter 21, he knows what's ahead of him down the line. But he determines within his heart that from that time on, he's going to serve the Lord. And he had that determination within his heart in his service and in his ministry for the Lord that before he would leave this scene of time that he would stir up the people of God. And whenever it comes to the writing of 2 Peter and you can see here in chapter 1 and the verse 14 he says, Knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. He had showed him back in John chapter 21, right there on the shores of Galilee, and now that time is drawing near. And Peter's days upon this earth are now numbered. He's saying here, of only a short time left, the Lord has revealed it to me and shortly I'll put off this earthly tabernacle. I'll put off this uh, temporary dwelling. This body refers to it just as a tent. Soon I'm going to put it off but in the days that have left I'm going to seek to the best of my ability to stir up the people of God. You see it there in verse 13. Yea, I I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. I think it meet. Peter has obviously assessed things here and he believes that it's now appropriate. It's now right. It's the fitting thing to do and I'm going to do it. As long as I have left 
As long as I am in this tabernacle, as long as I am in this body, I'm going to stir up God's people by putting them in remembrance. And so as we think today on this theme of stirring up the Christian, I want you to notice firstly here the remembrance of the truth. This is how Peter sought to stir up God's people. Our text in verse 13 says to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. It was a remembrance of the truth. And Peter knew how prone we are to forget. Sometimes it's the elderly who who feel that they're always uh, forgetting things. But it's not just the elderly. It's not just when you get on in years. It happens to us all. We forget. Do you know spiritually? We forget the things of God. And we forget God's goodness and we forget God's word. And we need to remember. And the Apostle Peter says, I'm wanting to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. And you can see there the word remembrance in verse 12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. It's there as we've noted in verse 13, putting you in remembrance. And when you look down to verse 15, the last word in that verse, it says remembrance. And so how important it is. And Peter wants God's people to remember But what does he want them to remember? You look at verse 12. It says, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. I want you to remember these things. And as I read the portion this past week, I noticed the repetition of that expression, these things. And Peter is saying, I want to put you in remembrance of these things. Look back to verse 8. He says, For if these things be in you and abound. He uses that expression there, these things. When you look there at the verse 9, But he that lacketh these things is blind. And you look at verse 10, and he says, Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if ye do these things. And we've noted that it's there in verse 12, and that, that expression is there also in the verse 15. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. So Peter's wanting to stir up God's people. And he's wanting to stir up God's people by way of remembrance. And to stir up God's people by way of remembrance of these things. And you would be entitled to ask the question, what are these things? What are these things that Peter's referring to? Well, it's the things that he has already been referring to in chapter 1. The things that he's already been outlining by way of introduction to this second letter. It's those things that he has called to God's people's attention 
You could go right back to the opening verse, and he's speaking of those who have obtained like precious faith. That time whenever we came to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and all the great truths that are contained even within that very first verse. You could glance at verse 4 as well. And he's referring in that verse to those exceeding great and precious promises. He's referring in verse 4 as well to being a partaker of the divine nature. And these are the things that the Apostle Peter has been calling to remembrance to God's people. Verse 5 and those verses that follow... He's been referring there to the progress of the Christian and to their growth and grace, to that sanctifying work of God the Holy Spirit. And he speaks about uh, faith and virtue and knowledge and temperance and so on. Those building blocks in the life of the Christian. And he's saying it's these things. These things that he's been referring to through this chapter already. You could look as well at the verse 10 there. And it speaks about your calling and your election. And if you do these things. It's these great truths. Fundamentals of the faith that the apostle has been drawing to our attention. And he's saying here, remember the things that you have been taught of the Lord. Remember the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter knew by experience what it was to forget. The Lord had given Peter a personal word. And the Lord had said, Peter, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And the Lord goes on to say to Peter, but before the cock will crow twice, thou wilt deny me thrice. Peter forgot about that. And we know that the apostle Peter, as we mentioned by way of introduction, he did fail the Lord by denying the Lord three times. Just that moment when he denied the Lord for the third time, the cock crowed. In Mark chapter 14 and the verse 72 it says, And the second time the cock crew, and Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said to him, Before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. You see, the Lord had warned Peter and the Lord had given that word to Peter. But Peter had obviously forgotten about that word because when the cock crowed for the second time, it says he called to mind the word. The word was out of his mind. He had to call it back to mind. He had to remember that word. And of course, he realized the importance of that. And when he thought thereon, he wept. He had forgotten what the Lord had said to him. And therefore, when he came to write to God's people in this second epistle in the chapter 1, and he wants to stir them up, 
He wants to stir them up by putting them in remembrance, remembering what they had been taught, remembering what they had learned. Remembrance of the truth. And when you look there at verse 12 of our Bible reading, he says, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance. He would not be negligent, rather, he would be diligent in this particular matter. Because Peter knew, and he knew by experience, how the Word of God can stir the heart. The Word of God can stir the heart. Remembrance of the truth. He says, as long as I am in this tabernacle, I'm going to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Remembrance of the truth. But secondly, I want you to notice the repetition of the truth. Those words in verse 13, he says, Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle... And so whatever days he had left upon this scene of time, upon this earth, he was going to put them in remembrance for the rest of his life. He would be going over those same truths. He would be reminding them of those uh, great fundamental doctrines of the gospel of Christ. He would be reminding them of the gospel truth, and he would be repeating those truths. As long as I am in this tabernacle, for as long as I live, I'm going to preach these truths to you. He could say to them in verse 12, when you look at that latter part of verse 12, though ye know them, you know them. You already know these truths, but I'm going to continually remind you of them. I'm going to repeat them to you, even though you know them. They're worthy of repetition, and they need to be repeated. Peter said at the end of verse 12, you're established in the present truth. You've been taught these things. You've known these things. And you are established in these things, but I'm going to repeat them to you. And Peter understood the importance of going over those old truths of the Bible that are old yet ever new. And he said there in verse 12, Always, wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. He's going to go over them for the rest of his days. He's going to go over them always, over and over again. And any good teacher knows the value of repetition in teaching. Maybe you're learning to play a musical instrument. Something I never did. You have to go over and over the same things. You have to go up and down the scales. There's the repetition before you're really going to get a grasp of it. Or maybe you have to to memorize something And to memorize it, it means going over it and repeating it again and again, going over the same thing. So it is with the gospel. 
The devil would so much want to snatch away the good seed of the gospel and the devil would want to blind our minds to the gospel and he would want to distract us from the gospel and therefore it needs to be repeated again and again. You glance back a little bit in the New Testament there to Philippians. And as Paul was writing to the Philippians there in the third chapter and the verse 1, he said there, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. And Paul says, I'm going to write the same things to you. It's nothing new here. I'm writing the same things. I'm going over the same ground. I'm repeating myself, but for you, it's safe. Safe for me to do that. In 2 Thessalonians, and in the chapter 2 of 2 Thessalonians, there we find in the verse 5, 2 Thessalonians 2 and the verse 5, Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And Paul, as he writes to the Thessalonians, he's saying, Do you remember back when I was with you and I told you these things? Now I'm writing about them. Now I'm repeating them. And whenever he was speaking to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and in the verse 6, he says, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. Timothy, if you want to be a good minister of Jesus Christ, go for those old truths, those fundamentals of the gospel. Repeat them. Underline them again and again. The Old Testament Scriptures, the book of Deuteronomy in the chapter 6, it concerns there the teaching of the up-and-coming generation, the teaching of the children. And in Deuteronomy 6 and the verse 7 it says, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And it was referring there to the Lord's word, to the Lord's statutes, the Lord's commandments. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And in Deuteronomy 6 and the verse 7, there's a marginal reading in the Bible. And it means the word to teach there is also the word to wet or to sharpen. And you would say, well, what's the connection between teaching and sharpening? Maybe you can see it. Taking the blade to the sharpening stone. Taking maybe the arrow or the spear to the sharpening stone. And you go back and forward and back and forward. And you're sharpening up that edge. And so it is with teaching the children. You go over and over those same truths. And you're sharpening the child. You're bringing the child to point it, as it were, in the right direction. And you're going over those truths again and again. There's something there of that repetition. And there's the connection with that original word in the Hebrew between the sharpening of the blade or of the point and the sharpening and the teaching of the child. 
Sabbath school teachers, children's workers, youth workers, those who have the responsibility of teaching the up-and-coming generation, you keep going over the same truths. You keep repeating those same truths in order to get them into the heart and into the mind of the child. And in Deuteronomy 6, it shows us there the reason for that repetition and that sharpening. Then beware, lest thou forget the Lord. You don't want to forget the Lord. You don't want to forget his word and the things of God. There must be the repetition of the truth. And the apostle Peter, as he comes to write to God's people in these epistles, he's saying, I want to stir you up. And in order to stir you up, I'm going to repeat these same old truths. But oh, the Holy Spirit's able to take those truths and to apply them with freshness and with power to our hearts and to stir up the Christian, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, to stir you up by way of repetition, But I want you to notice here, thirdly, the result of the truth. He was putting them in remembrance of the truth. He was repeating that truth. But what's the result of the truth? Oh, to stir you up. To stir you up. That was the intention of the apostle Peter. God's people in his day needed to be stirred up. I don't think there's anyone would argue contrary today that God's people need to be stirred up. The word stir, as it appears here in our text of Scripture, it appears seven times. It's used seven times in various ways through the New Testament. At times it's translated in a different way, but it's the same word in the original. And the way that this word is used, it is used in reference to awakening someone. This stirring. It's to waken them up. And it's used in connection with the Lord. And it's in Mark chapter 4. And in the verse 38, you remember they were in the ship and the storm broke and the Savior was at the back of the ship and he was asleep on a pillow while the storm raged and they came to the Savior in Mark 4 and verse 38. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him. They awake him. That's the same word, stare. And we can well understand that we've all been in a sleep and something has stirred us and something has awakened us. And so we can fully appreciate the picture that's there. An awakening. And spiritually, that's what we need today. Spiritually, we need an awakening of God's people. We need a stirring of heart today. The church needs to be stirred up today. The old truths of the gospel need to grip our hearts afresh. That we would be awakened. We would be stirred. Mark chapter 4, that very same scene, the word is used there in another way. It's in the next verse. So in verse 38, they have awakened the Savior. And in verse 39, it says, And he arose. 
And that's the word again that's translated stir and it's translated awake. He arose. And as the Savior here rises up, he's rising up to action. And we know that as he rose up, he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, Peace be still, and there was a great calm. But it's the idea here of rising up to action, being aroused to action. That's another picture that this word creates for us. Wakening up someone that's been asleep, stirring them, arousing them to action. Isn't that what we need spiritually? John chapter 6, there's, there's yet another picture in the way that the word is used. And here it's in relation to another storm. John 6, the reference of the word here is to the sea itself. And in the verse 18 of that chapter it says, And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. And so here it's the sea that's rising up. And you can think of the, uh, the sea whenever the wind blows and the wind stirs the sea. And the sea will, will rise there with the swelling of the waves. That's the picture. You think of the power of the wind there to, to stir up the sea. And we need the power and the breath and the wind of God's Spirit to come. And we need God's Spirit to stir us up in these days. That's what Peter desired. He says, I stir you up by putting you in remembrance. He used the word in Second Peter chapter 3 and the verse 1. And he says, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Stirring up of the mind. It's the work of the Lord. The work of God the Holy Spirit, stirring the mind and stirring the heart and arising up to action and the, the breath and power of the Holy Spirit of God and that determination to serve the Lord. We need today our hearts to be stirred and there's nothing that stirs the heart more than considering what the Lord has done for us, considering his, his love toward us, considering all that the Savior has endured as he suffered and bled and died upon the tree. The Lord has accomplished our redemption. You call to mind those great truths. And you go over and you focus upon the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And oh, that our hearts would be stirred afresh. The Apostle Peter, he writes by way of experience. He had been so downhearted after Calvary. He had gone off, as we indicated in John 21, fishing. But there on those shores of Galilee, the Lord stirred the heart of Peter again. Maybe there's one today and they're downhearted. They're walking afar off from the Lord. They're no longer in fellowship with the Lord. Oh, that a heart could be stirred today. With these old truths of the gospel, 
Those cords that were broken would vibrate once more. They did for Peter. They went forth on the day of Pentecost and they preached Christ and over 3,000 souls were the saved of the Lord. He preached with power. Though that we would be determined for the rest of our days, however long we're going to be in this tabernacle, in this body, we'll be determined to serve the Lord to the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May the Lord give us grace. May the Lord stir each of our hearts this day.